Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 232. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about a recent pistol training event we did. Um, got into daylight into low light. Um, did a lot of weapon manipulation stuff with the lights um, yep. on concealed carry on concealed carry handguns, and then some more, I guess, practical exercises or whatnot. Sure. Um, guys, uh, yeah. if you, if one of the things that, you know, that popped up, we'll run through kind of what we did. Uh, but there are some interesting things that came out of this night uh, from a con- conversation around switchology, conversation around learning switchology, and a conversation around um, an actual broken product that we don't see break very often. So, yeah, this was, there was definitely things learned, uh, but the light, the light doesn't have to slow you down but it does require you to put in some more effort and, and some knowledge and, and get comfortable with it, get intimate with it. And we saw that a lot of us hadn't spent that time to do that. So, yeah. so starting off. Yeah, our first uh, first exercise, we just did two solid magazines of draw and one Yeah. from about, I don't know, seven to 10 yards, something yeah, like that. seven, eight yards, something <clears throat> like that, fairly uh, close. Getting upraise zone hits on a USPSA target but activating the light on each straw stroke. Uh, so this, depending on the magazines in your gun, yeah, was somewhere between thirty and thirty-four rounds. <clears throat> uh, nothing high speed at all. Uh, but it was it was pretty apparent whose draw stroke wasn't very good to start with. Yeah, and then adding the light does not make the draw stroke any easier. No, it, it complifies things. I mean, for sure. So. Um, you know, we, we had a number of guys who, like I said, just hadn't put the time in or were running new lights or whatever. Um, you know, I've been running the TLR7 um, on a Glock 45. It's kind of like the year-round gun. Um, that's my primary. And then I do the 365 as a summer gun without a light for now. Um, based on the comfort that I'm, that I'm not there yet, but based on the comfort that I'm starting to find with a TLR7, running a TLR7 sub on the 365XL is probably going to be where I'm headed um, because I don't think it's going to change the carryability of the gun much. Uh, running a G45 with an optic and a TLR7HL or whatever that's called. TLR7A like flex. A, a flex, there you go, yeah. Um, running that, um, a little bit of practice. So as I'm drawing the gun, one of the, what I do... I ran an X300 forever, a Surefire X300 forever, and I would draw it, get two-handed grip on the gun as I'm extending, I would run the light with my offhand thumb. Um, one of the things I've always wanted to be able to do was to be able to toggle the switch on an X300 with my strong hand, with my primary hand, as I'm drawing the gun, just in case my weak hand is occupied with something else, like a child, a wife, God knows what. Um, kind of thing and I've never been able to do that just because the switchology I have small hands getting to the switch on the X300 I've never been able to do with the G45 and the TLR7 um, I can get to that because it's just a tap switch to turn it on I can get to that switch and activate it way more consistently with just the primary hand so I was working on doing that just because that's how I want to run that gun I want to be able to toggle that switch one-handed as I draw the gun like I said, in case my other hand's occupied. Um, not something I have the reps in that I'd like to, um, but definitely got better with the night and definitely kind of figured out how to make that work. Uh, just take some practice with it, but I do like that switching system well. For those of you not familiar with the TLR7, um, the switching, if you tap either side switch, the light stays on. If it's less than a quarter second, then the light will stay on until you tap it again. If you hold it down, 
has a momentary switch and then let up after a quarter second, it will turn off automatically, which is how I would search, but trying to go for a fast draw stroke was not what I was trying to do. I was trying to get the light on and then not have to worry about it to engage whatever. So a little bit new switchology for me. Um, probably no slower than an X300 trying to run it the same way, but definitely not as fast as an X300 running it with weak hand thumb. And I'm sure I could run the light that way too if I wanted to, but I want to learn the other way now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And draw stroke went from a really nasty plus two seconds, like two seconds plus, um, probably down uh, one, six, one, eight on good strokes. Um, you know, one, six on the really good ones, consistently one, eight. I'd like to see that get down to like one, four, one, five consistently with the light. Um, and this is something that, like I said, I hadn't put the reps in. Well, the comment has been made a number of times by one of the guys we shoot with is that I'm getting out of this exactly what I'm putting into it. And, and he's just being honest that he's not putting the dry fire time in. Um, lucky for him, he has a freaking full machine gun trigger finger that generally works pretty well. In my case, I'm not quite like that, but this was one of those cases where I got out of it exactly what I put into it, which was zero. <laughs> and, it's, and it showed, it, it sucked, uh, but it is, it's learnable for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I'm running a Surefire X300 Turbo on a Glock 47 mm -hmm. um, with an optic. And yeah, a good draw stroke with that setup with the lights, like one four. Yeah. Yeah, you um, pretty consistently. Yeah, you um, and Mac J were were sub one four on a number of the runs that you did um, that we'll talk about here in a minute. But you guys were actually one threes, one fours um, down at that bottom end. And the worst draw stroke I think was like a one six. Um, we did a couple of the drills head to head, so it was really hard to get an individual shooter's time. Um, but we could get the average or say, hey, you know, first shot was at, yeah. and somebody and you guys were pretty close coming out of the holster. So yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, when you start talking about that sub one second draw stroke, can you do it? How much time do you want to allocate to it? Okay, cool. Uh, with the light sub, you know, I, I, I don't think it, I honestly don't think it should add much to it. I think it's a matter of coordinating the movement with the yeah. draw stroke. I don't think that putting a light on the gun, unless you're running it with an offhand, I don't think it should change much. It really, it I don't really think it should. doesn't. You shouldn't. Like if the draw stroke's well established, yeah, uh, the hands are. They are pretty much where they need to be anyways. Yeah. You're just adding, pushing, touch. touching the light on the way out from the, you know, from the three to the four yeah. part of the draw stroke. Yeah. Which shouldn't be a big deal, but apparently it is. Apparently it matters uh, yeah. because it definitely slowed people down. And, I, and, and, you know, and again, if we, we've got, you know, not everybody has, has the amount of years that we have, the amount of low light experience that we have getting the gun out and getting the light on. Um, so some guys struggle with a little bit. And I think some of that is not having a plan, not having a technique that they can grease the groove with and really drill in on. Um, some of the guys just either hadn't done it much or hadn't done it enough or were running a new light or, or whatever, and it shows. But I think that, you know, like you said, the draw stroke is the draw stroke. At some point, you're touching a light on the way out. Mentally, I think, is where it slows you down because you're thinking about it rather than doing what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just something to, like I said, it's just something that needs some reps. But I think like anything else, most of us have drawn the gun from a holster 11 billion times. And even those of us that have drawn and used a light maybe have only done that 11,000 times. Yeah. So, you know, and that, I think that's the difference. Yeah, one yeah. thing with running the light, um, trying to activate the light before the gun is out of the holster uh, or before you've cleared the cover garment, uh, that's, like the basic draw stroke is still really important. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a couple of occasions where 
I didn't get my cover garments quite as cleared as I thought I did. Yeah. Uh, and definitely caught the optic on the cover garment, um, which would actually rack the slide. Uh, oh, yeah, didn't okay. didn't cause any malfunctions. Yeah, but good. Uh, but was enough yeah. to you know to get your attention and be like, hey, uh, you got to get the gun into the fight before you get the light on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So trying to go like with the light, you know, it is an added step and added complication. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean you you can't doesn't mean you don't have to do all the other things correctly first exactly uh, before we get to the part where we turn on the light yeah no true statement like i said i think it's just a, it's a it's a twitch it's a change it's a minor complication but mentally it's one more thing to do in something that you want to have happen really quickly and really efficiently yeah so and it's, it's just simply not going to happen without practice and and it kind of showed that uh, for me it showed that i wasn't doing my practice it showed for some other guys that they hadn't done their practice um and and so this is we're doing this on we're making this podcast on Thursday that that was a that was a Monday night and I've already got two dry fire nights in running the light just drawing and getting the light on not yeah. even going to a full trigger press just getting the light onto extension um, under the timer running that that timer app um, yeah. and that that's been and driving that down um, I think I think by the next time we get out and do that I'll be one five pretty consistently um, hopefully hopefully I'll be one five maybe a little better yeah. So yeah, cool. Yeah, next drill we did, um, we we set up about ten yards, yeah, ten yards ish. Yeah, um, two targets, so facing ninety degrees away from the target. You had to draw, turn the ninety degrees, and then engage each target um, in the credit card part of the head box. Yeah, um, with one round each. Um, again, turning on the light, you know, during all of that. Yeah, um, we set a two and a half second part time. Um, that this this drill really kind of showed who was able to get the gun out quickly um yeah. who understood making that you know kind of half step turn yeah and then also being able to do the transition um and who couldn't um because there were a lot of times where that timer was going beep and then rounds were going down oh range. absolutely yeah the other thing i'll throw out there too um slight modification to the drill starting facing 90 degrees to the left or to the right from the target, yeah. turn then draw rather than draw and then turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so be be aware of that. Um, you know, again. So we're yeah. Th this drill, if you, again, the foot movement should be happening while the draw stroke's happening. Yep. You know, you should be turning, and as soon as your hips are are you know, you know, pointed in a safe direction downrange, that gun should be coming out and clearing the holster. So yes, it should add a skosh to safely draw and not muzzle anybody while you're drawing or anything like that, and not to break 180. Um, but but not as much as it was. And the reality check is, if you've got a solid second and a half drill, or heaven forbid you're a sub one second guy, but if you got a solid second and a half draw, um, a half a second added into that what drawing while turning and the extra time needed to engage, we were engaging the credit card A box in the head. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable eight, 10 yard shot in sub two seconds. It, with a little bit of movement, it makes it tight, yeah. but not, not any, B class. Yeah, two that's, and a that's, half. That's on a this B, class B class time to get to the first shot, and then the transition. You know, normally we'd say the transition on an A zone, on the body A zone, the big A zone, the five by ten or twelve or whatever it is, would be a quarter second transition to the next shot. And in this case, because you're going credit card to credit card, maybe we'll call that a half second transition, but that still makes that next shot doable. Yeah. Um, you know, especially because you're already there, and, and the targets weren't like they're a mile apart; they're only about 
a yard, yard and a half apart, something like that. Yeah. So that transition was not a wide swing or anything crazy where you really had to accelerate, slow back down and settle down, but you did have to refine it for sure. The dot had to be under control and it was a trigger squeeze, not a mash yeah. to make that happen. So um, two, two and a half seconds, I think is, is a spicy part-time, but more than doable. Um, I don't. I know. I did not get there. Like none of the none of the reps that I get there on that. And there were a couple where I was like pressing. I was hearing the beep as I was pressing the second shot. So I was probably within a quarter second. Most of them, I'd say, I was probably closer to three or a little long, even yeah. on those. Um, and I didn't hit that credit card anywhere near as much as I wanted to. I was in the head, no problem. Um, but for whatever reason, I kept pushing stuff a little bit low. And that's that's a me thing, right? And I don't know. The light part of that really didn't. I think at that point, because you were moving, the light was just one more thing you were doing. Yep. So I, I think that was actually a good skill set stack to go from drawing, or just go from drawing and pressing the button and shooting to turning because you're already doing something else. So you're throwing an extra thing on top of that. I don't think it was a big deal, but it was a good drill to learn from and refine that. So we always talk about how you program your training. That's one of those programming things where the succession of drills matter. Yeah. Yeah. It helped. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, weird things. It's almost like when you get back to 25 yards and draw, people slow down. Draw strokes to draw stroke. Right. Should be the yeah. same speed to, to the gun extended. Maybe not to the shot because the distance maybe you need a little more refinement time. Whatever. Been on your target, right? Um, it's almost like when people move, they're like, the first couple times they move, they move lackadaisically. And they draw lackadaisically. Yeah. So starting off with this, we had some hellaciously slow. We're, we were had some four-second runs to draw and shoot two shots at 10 yards, even though it was the credit card. And, and that's cool if you need to slow down and make sure that your footwork's doing what you want it to do to make sure that you're clearing the gun in a safe direction and all that fun stuff. Uh, but the reality is the footwork of it and everything should still be pretty aggressive as you're doing these drills. Um, because if you get beaten to the shot by the bad guy, um, that doesn't do you any good. And if you shoot yourself on the draw stroke <laughs> or a good guy on accident, yeah. that doesn't do you any good too, right? So, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is definitely coordinated effort. Huh. If there was only some way we could get better at something that was physically mechanical. Like if only there was something we could do, like, I don't know, dry fire. repetitions, dry yeah. fire, something. Like, if only you could go home and stand in your kitchen and you know, and turn ninety degrees and draw and drive. Oh wait a minute! Oh wait a minute! Huh? Okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Um, again, good stack though. Good, yeah. good, good skill stack. Yeah, we did this same drill over the summer. Uh, I stole this from Mike Pannone at CTT Solutions. Um, we did not do it with the over the summer. We did this both in the open and then also going around a barrel, yeah. barrel slash vision barricade, vision barrier type thing. Yeah. Um, this was just out in the open. Uh, again, trying to force that quick footwork. Um, Aggressive yeah. draw stroke, light manipulation. Yeah, all the things happening in a in a very condensed amount of time. Yeah. Um, into yeah, a good in, drill. Into a tight target, into a restrictive target. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Like I said, that, that drill was a challenge. Um, there's been a number of times in the past where when we start chasing smaller targets, um, guys get panicky. Guys get panicky and slow way down. It That's what happened. Yeah, everybody slowed way down on the first couple runs, and then saw other guys going quite a bit faster. Even if it was only you know one or two other guys going faster, and it's like okay, I got to pick this up a little bit. And so the accuracy, I don't, I, I want to you know I want to say the accuracy. You set a standard when you're shooting a drill. Okay, this is what I want out of you, mm -hmm. and it's a pass fail drill. Okay, with that mentality, 
then I don't know if maybe saying, okay, this is pass fail. If you don't hit the credit card, it's a fail, period. But I do think that if you can hit that head box in chasing the two and a half seconds, maybe you're yeah. out of the A zone. Okay, that's combat effective. That's going to be a really good hit in a really good amount of time. You're not shooting the drill right, but it drives the point home. But there's also the reality check when you set an accuracy standard for a drill and a part-time for a drill. You really want to push to meet that accuracy standard, I think, first, and then the speed second. But we but we had guys who weren't making either, me included, who yeah. weren't making either. I never got to two and a half, I don't think. And in, while all the shots were in the head, they weren't all in the credit card box. So definitely some there's some there's a lot of work for me to do there to catch yeah. that one in that part time. If we said the part time and that was three seconds, I think I could work to get consistently under that. But knowing what the transition should be and what the draw strike should be, that feels slow to me. It feels like the two and a half's there. It's just yeah. hard. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, the trigger having the good trigger control and be able to do effectively yeah. trigger control at speed, uh, so the rounds are going exactly where you want them. Uh, is critical for making the head box. Yeah. Um, I did not have as many rounds in the credit card box yeah. as I wanted either. Um, I had a nice, probably golf ball sized group. Yeah. Uh, but it was a little to the right and a little bit low. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain. I was probably around two and a quarter consistently. Yeah. yeah you were under the beep consistently. So, so I I was over the just over the beep probably by the same amount consistently. Yeah. And not as tight of a group either. Uh, my grouping was probably more like softball size, baseball size, um, like at that bottom line of the A, into the lower part. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this drill puts a lot of stuff in one place. Um, it puts a lot of stuff in one place uh, in a in a very compact amount of time without shooting a lot of rounds. Yeah, so definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, we did this. I want to say eight times from each side. Yeah, basically a mag. Uh, like a mag. Yeah, a mag yeah. from each side. Basically a mag from each side. Yeah, yep. good stuff. Um, definitely some challenges there. Um, f footwork, guys. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't even know where to tell you to go to look up like this kind of footwork. But the reality is, it it is if you think about how you're going to move. If you're standing and you just wanted to turn to your left, basically in the same space, what would you do? How many steps would it take you to do it? And if it takes you three or four steps, then go Google how to walk. Um, you know, it, this is a pretty simple thing to just make that turn. But if you drop your body weight, lean into it, and move, you can do it pretty quickly. There's no reason that it should have taken as long as it took me the first couple times until I'm like, okay, I need to get more, way more aggressive on this. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. forward should be over by the time you got your garment cleared to yeah. draw the gun. Yes, agreed. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, uh, from there, we set up a four-target like a four target Blake drill. So Blake drill plus one target. Yeah. Um, two of those targets had no sheets on them and then the heads of the hostage targets um, were cut off yeah uh, so that you had to shoot the a zone of the hostage target or the the hostage taker yeah the upper yeah, a. the upper a of the hostage taker target yeah um yeah again we were about seven yards on this and it was just a draw and engage you know all four of the targets two 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 yep yep um, yeah, this one, and this had a four four second part time. Yeah, um, I think my favorite quote of the night was, like, like four seconds on this, like you got to be out of your minds. Yeah, and we're like, yeah, actually, like we were under that pretty um, much the whole time. You and Mac J, when you were running that side by side, you you both started off right at four. four. Like yeah. your first run was right at four, 
and both of you, I don't know what the deal was with the first draw stroke, but the first draw stroke was atrocious. You both were chasing two seconds and still did the drill right at four. It was like 4.11 for the last shot. And one or the other of you were right at four. The other was right at 4.11 within a tenth of a second. You guys were down to three sixes, like three six threes, three six fives on the last two runs. Um, and it's, I mean, there were a number of runs there that were well under four seconds, not kind of under, not close that were, you know, almost a half a second under four seconds. And when you start breaking down, this is at seven, eight yards, give or take, you had two targets that should have been a completely, uh, should have been, a, you should have just been pop up. I mean, yeah, completely predictive, completely. I mean, cause you're at seven yards on a great big A zone and both of you are capable of doing that and maintaining those shots. So when you start looking at the splits on those shots for jailbait, they were 15s-ish, maybe even a little faster uh, for Mac J because the lightning trigger thing. Um, but both of you were aggressive though on the upper A zone. Um, there were some drop shots here and there, but there were like those prank and near misses where they were yeah. within an inch of the upper A zone. Uh, I don't think anybody, I, I, you guys, I don't think anybody shot a hostage. I or maybe if you did, like a little you bit creased it. I mean, that, the part before you get to the perf. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a Keanu Reeves in speed shoot him in the leg kind of miss. It was a it was a just creased. I mean, it would have been clothing um, or merely a flesh wound, um, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, so I mean, you know, that four second part time again. If you're saying two seconds on the draw, um, and then look at the splits and transitions, quarter second transitions. These targets were not a mile apart; they were about a yard apart, shoulder, you know, center to center. Um, you know, all that stuff's very doable, especially considering two of the targets were just blaze. Yeah. Because they're wide open. Um, two of the targets were smaller zones, but you're at seven yards, and it's still that five inch by five inch. So it's ample target to get it done. Um, I had a, I had a couple of runs where I was down around four seconds. I don't know if I got under it, but I was I was chasing the beep and was close. Um, once I just kind of let go and just let it do, and just kind of let the gun do what it needed to do. The first couple of runs, I was trying to drive it, and was too tense, and that showed there. Um, the other thing that showed was draw stroke, you know, again, yeah. trying to fight with the light and draw stroke because that's something I've, I've been struggling with with a new light simply by not having enough reps in. Um, totally doable. Again, probably even that four second part time is probably again back to B class. Yeah. I, I don't even know if that's B class. That might not even be B class run open holster. Yeah, from an open holster, definitely. Yeah. Probably three fives, probably B class from an open holster. Yeah. Um, yeah, from concealed fours. <laughs> I mean, four is obviously pretty doable, oh, absolutely. pretty consistent. Yeah, absolutely doable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. It, it sucks to say this because as one of the guys who didn't make the part-time or, or at least didn't do it consistently, um, for sure. I mean, if I like I said, if I made it, I made it once out of the, I don't know, we were on that four times or something like that. Six times. Six times, okay. Um, maybe once or twice I was real close. Um, but to, to sit back and, and say, you know, again, back to the same conversation around the two and a half second part-time, um, nobody wants to hear this. But the reality check is that a, a B-class USPSA shooter is somebody who's probably putting in some dry fire practice and somebody who goes to matches consistently and shoots, um, you know, and but isn't but it doesn't have either the time, the budget. It's not B-class is not a weapon issue. B-class yeah. is not a gun issue. If you're shooting B-class, it's you know you're doing the work. Um, and buying a and buying a faster car is not going to get you really much further in this case. It's because you've got good baseline skills. I'm not even going to say competent. I'm going to say you've got solid, above average baseline I skills. Would, I would say, honestly, like having shot classifiers um, with some guys, um, 
the last couple months like if you're if you're able to make b class times on classifiers you yep. have ex exceptional you're, you're skills. solid you're solid like, exceptional skills yeah um, there's probably some competition movement type stuff yeah that isn't quite as refined um but the actual shooting like shooting mechanics wise yeah are well beyond well beyond um, average average and when i say average i mean professional average I don't mean schmo yeah. with a gun. I don't mean the dude who has duck guns and, and owns a you know a big I mean, revolver. Like if, I mean, if you shoot B class in USPSA, um, anybody SWAT qualification across the country, oh, you should be able to walk walk on, walk on, walk and on. do it and not even think about it. Yeah, maybe um, even like with one eye kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, literally. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I've shot the three hundred point qual recently. You know, within the last year at a two ninety six cold. Um, and I still wasn't making these part times, and to get on to get on to trap for spots two fifty five to stay on spots two eighty five, and I shot a two ninety six out of three hundred. You shot the same thing the with same. a gun you'd never yeah. shot before, like almost literally had never shot before, um, and were still would have made it. Yeah, I think shot yeah. a two two eight two ninety five or two ninety six with a G seventeen exactly um, yeah. with the turning target things, yeah. all that yeah. fun stuff. So. Um, yeah, so like I said, when we push these part-times out there, if, if you're going, that's, a, that's an incredible part-time. Um, it, it's, because, it's because you're a mid-range shooter. If you're to be advanced, these are, that's where you're at. And I'm perfectly willing to admit I'm not there on, on, on a good day, maybe, but I'm not looking for it on a good day. I'm looking for it consistently. I'm looking for it on a bad day. And so it's just a great place. to. It's a baseline. Yeah. Just looking at a baseline, that's all. So, yeah. Yeah, this drill with the... With the hostage targets, um, really showed you know who was confident in yes. their ability to perform. Yes, and put the rounds where they wanted, and then who didn't have that confidence yeah. and needed to slow down and kind of over refine everything. Yeah, and there was definitely some overthinking going on. Um, you know, I know like the first time I ran it, it, that my cadence was super consistent, but everything was probably like 0.3 splits, including transitions were 0.3s. Um, that five by five on a hostage target, still a big A zone. And then I had a huge wide open A zone and I didn't speed up to make the double there um, predictively. And so, and you could tell, and then as I, as I ran it a couple of times and got more confident, I started really speeding up on the A's. And the problem with that, or I mean on the full size, the wide open targets, I started yeah. speeding up. And the push on that that was super frustrating was that that's where I dropped the shots. Where I took like just a breath and like mm -hmm. went on the five by five, the small hostage A zone, those were pretty clean targets. But the pushes onto the big ones were ugly, so just trying to go too fast. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So we do that for, I think, six rounds per person. Six, yeah. and then we set up um, two different barrels, two different stacks of barrels. One effectively on the one target, the other one on the four target. Yeah, like a five or six yard run up to the first barrel, shoot the one and the two targets, and then run over to the other barrel and shoot the three and the four targets um yeah same you know hostages on two of them um again with the heads cut off mm -hmm. so you couldn't cheat up um, yeah. into that into the you know upper upper chest neck head head um, <laughs> and go oh well they were in the head yeah they were they they weren't in the target yeah. zone you know do it pass yeah. fail it's a miss yeah 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 um yeah and this again you know having to advance to the cover position you know get the light on uh -huh. do the work turn light off move to the next position 
get the light back on, um, do the work. Uh, this kind of, this brought, I think, everything together. Yeah. Um, we also treated this drill as less a USPSA and more a defensive shooting drill. So the, the you know, wanting you to stay, use cover appropriately, yeah. not put out more than you needed to kind of thing. You weren't like doing a slow search. You knew, you know, you were moving up and you knew about where the targets were. So it was a get get to that point of domination, punch out, you know, press out, make the hits, make the hits. The shooting tempo per target shouldn't have changed. A little bit of transition between targets, maybe as you moved your body a little bit further out to clear to make the next two shots kind of thing. Yeah. Mentality. Um, and I think, again, everybody started off pretty conservative. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and everybody was shooting pairs or was shooting pretty aggressively per target and then moving out just a little bit to shoot the next one. And then as everybody got comfortable with it, it was move up, pop up slight movement pop up and then you're running and going hopefully with the light off which again yeah. i struggled with that i was i was et knew et's people knew exactly where i was i'm surprised they didn't bring the mothership down to take me home so yeah yeah uh one of the key things with this uh, was coming into position yep you're ready to shoot so as you're finishing your deceleration the light is getting turned on as, as the gun's as, coming as out. the gun's coming you know coming into position um, so it's just like doing this in the daylight, all we're doing is adding a light. Adding a light. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And again, putting a little more into it, again, another stack of skills, another, just one more thing or, you know, well, two more things, cover and movement added to the skills, um, piled on. So again, a good training progression. So if you're listening to this, you know, and you're taking notes, this would be a great range night, you know, or a great range day to go spend some time doing this. Um, in this progression though, sometimes cherry picking drills because you're good at it or because one sounds like more fun than another one versus running through the progression and doing the work. There's a reason for the way you choose to do the stuff that we're doing. So, you know, that we talk about programming, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is good stuff. This was challenging stuff. Um, and it was, it wasn't anything that was like earth chattering to anybody. Uh, but it was a lot of guys, it was their first night this year running a light. Yeah. Um, and we kind of got cut off at the knees last year a little bit for low light stuff and didn't get anywhere near the reps in that we could have. Um, and, and I don't know how many people were actually doing dry fire with the light, using the light over the last year and a half, because it seems like it would have been a great opportunity that I totally squandered. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Even doing dry fire, sometimes I wonder who even does dry fire, but. Yeah. I, I think we've got a couple guys who do a little bit here and there and then we, you know, and we, and then we got some guys who just totally own it and like, yeah, I'm getting exact again, I'm getting out of it exactly what I put into it. Um, guys, the dry fire thing, um, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with local law enforcement guys. Um, and these are not high speed tactical officer guys. These are dudes that are patrol guys that are just freaking squared away. A uh, number of them are prior service. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've got real world experience outside of law enforcement and then lots of real world experience with law enforcement. And, and these folks, these guys and gals, every time they go on shift, they, it, it might only be five strokes, but they'll dry fire. They'll come out of the holster, clear the holster, defeat A and B, come out and run a click you know, five times, 10 times, or they'll do it for a minute or they'll do it for two minutes or whatever, yeah. every single shift. And, and we talk about training with some of these folks because some of them are trainers for their agencies as well. And you talk about training and stuff like that. And they're talking about a lot of these folks, they're chasing the same things we are. They're, they're going to be tickled pink with B class part times because that's legit. 
but they put the work in every single shift because it's probably a little more relevant and a little more real to them. For those of us in the concealed carry world, most of us strap the gun on every day, or in some cases throw a gun bag over our shoulder every day, you know, or are around the gun for defensive use every day. You know, it, it finding literally five minutes a week to do this or one minute a day to do this or something like that, just a little bit adds a whole bunch of value to what you're doing. So, you know, just dig it up, find the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I will say too, like all these drills, if you haven't ever done them before, do them in the daylight for um, sure. before you try to do them with the light. Which um, would be anything, any yeah. drill at all, anything anything you're going to do with a gun, uh, make sure you're comfortable with it in the daylight before you ever consider doing it in a low light environment. Um, and then I would do it low light dry fire yeah. quite a bit too. It makes sure you're comfortable with everything. Um, and some other things too, just like general concerns for low light. If you're going to train to do this stuff in low light, we're back to, you know, you always hear people say for dry fire, take your ammo out of your gun, go into a different room entirely and go do your dry fire. Um, I think that becomes even more important in a low light environment because you can't as easily check the chamber and stuff like that to confirm the guns unloaded, safe, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Learn how to do that tactilely as well. Um, you will hear me say in the stores, we're talking about training environments, stuff like that. I'll tell people all the time. Everything you learn how to do with a gun, you should learn how to do blindfolded from a perspective of you may have to do it in the dark. You may, yeah. you know, 80% of violence happens in the low light or diminished light environment. Make sure you know how to load, unload, clear, malfunctions, all these different things in that environment so that you can make sure the weapon's safe or make sure the weapon's dangerous. Um, you know, don't don't be a tool. Use the tool. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, on that note, as we come across interesting things, we try to get them posted up to your social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we're Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We will add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We are directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.